you know, if it wasn't me and it was just a star that you didn't know, like, would you eat my heart? And (laughs) (laughs) that's the subtext. Hello, hello, hello. I feel like lately when I put in my headphones, I like cannot hear myself. Like I feel <laughs> like I'm either whispering or screaming. Oh. I think my hearing is going. <laughs> I don't know what's up. I mean, when I'm editing, I'm not like, oh my God, she's whispering or screaming. You sound normal. I feel like it usually happens with my AirPods. Like I can never walk around with my AirPods and try to talk to someone. Mm. Like I can't like yeah. hear well enough. It's yeah. like too noise canceling. Mm. I don't know why it's happening right now. I'm just using an old pair of Apple <laughs> Air like wired headphones. Oh my Whoa. gosh. <laughs> but this isn't about my headphones. This is about <laughs> March magic. Yes. We have another wonderful movie for you today. One of our listeners, Rakea, requested this as like a birthday episode, but our schedule had already been like set at that point. But we're now getting to it just in time for your 19th birthday. Yay. Yeah, I've never seen this movie before, but when you told me about it, I was Mm. like, that sounds magical. We have to add it. It is magical. Today we are doing 2007's Stardust. The movie... What can I say about it? It goes <laughs> between realms. Mm-hmm. We travel. Yes. Not through time, but like there are flashbacks, sure. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, for those of you who are really listening to us for the numbers, you know, <laughs> the budget was 70 to 80 and a half million. And it was a box office hit. It did pretty well. Made 137 million in box office. And then I'm assuming there was like pretty good DVD sales and stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, I certainly had it on DVD. I remember watching it in theaters, too. And I really loved this movie. I think it's probably one of like my favorite fantasy movies. Mm. I know that a lot of people who are like really into fantasy don't really like it because it's, I don't know, I guess it's more campy and like there's less like lore and world building. But I really enjoy it. I think it's very fun. Um, It was also a book adaptation. So with that, there's always going to be people who get upset about discrepancies between like the book and the movie and from what I gather they're pretty different Mm -hmm. um but it was you know adapted from the novel Stardust by Neil Gaiman I usually don't like a lot of fantasy movie type stuff I mean I like Harry Potter Mm -hmm. but this movie the reason I really liked it was because I thought it had a really great mix of comedy Mm -hmm. and actual like drama stuff happening like the performances were really strong yeah definitely it doesn't feel like it takes itself too seriously but also like will um give you these really lovely like earnest moments Mm -hmm. what else can we say sarah michelle geller was offered the role of yvain and turned it down because (laughs) she didn't want to be apart from freddie prince jr (laughs) and i'm like Oh my gosh. Cause on the one hand, it's like, this could have been a great role for you. Like mm-hmm. sh- if she had been in this movie, I'm assuming like her popularity yeah, would have like, you know, gone up a lot because she hasn't been in any like big blockbuster type movies lately. Right? No, I feel like other than Scooby-Doo, like she, I mean her like primary like legacy, I feel like will probably be Buffy. Yeah. But 
also I'm like, they were always meant to be a couple. Like they sound like they've just been so in love forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. They also offered this role to Anne Hathaway, Scarlett Johansson, and Jessica Alba, which feels kind of like the outlier. Yeah. But they all turned it down. So they ended up going with Claire Danes, who I think actually is quite well suited for this role. Yeah. I think she does a really great job. I think I could have seen Anne Hathaway be in this role as well. Mm -hmm. But just aesthetically, I think with the like blonde and the blonde eyebrows, because she's a star, it like works really well as well. Absolutely. But yeah, also in this movie, we have a very young Charlie Cox before he was really famous. This was kind of like his breakout role. Um, We also have a very, very young Ben Barnes, whom Mm -hmm. I love dearly. That man is stupid hot. Is he just in the role of young Dunstan? Yes. Okay. You may also recognize him as Prince Caspian from Narnia. Oh, my gosh. And you may also recognize him more recently from Shadow and Bone. Season two, I think, is coming out very soon. Um, that's another f- – he actually does quite a bit of fantasy now that I think about it because mm, Narnia yeah. and Shadow, Shadow and Bone are both fantasy. And also book adaptations. Interesting. Yeah, maybe he just has that classic book adaptation look. Yeah, you know, that that old chestnut. I was going to say like type, but that doesn't <laughs> mean <laughs> Yeah, chestnut s- sounds way more <laughs> – Anyways, um, another casting choice that you may not have noticed if you've only seen this movie like once when it came out in 2007, but the role of Humphrey is played by Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who that is. A blonde, wait, Henry Cavill, like Superman? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. He plays um, Humphrey in a really horrible blonde wig and mustache. The hair is bad. Pretty rough. And then, of course, we also have Michelle Pfeiffer as Lamia the Witch. And Robert De Niro as yes. Captain Shakespeare. Yeah. Impeccable job. I was actually waiting when I saw he first came on screen because I was like, I don't think he's going to do an accent. Like, there's no way mm-hmm. he's going to do, like, a British accent. And he didn't. Yeah. He did kind of like a Brooklyn-y type yeah. accent, like a put him in the break like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i was like okay good yeah good. that would be a little too i think like uncanny valley if he was doing a british accent it would be very bizarre totally he doesn't even look british too like it's yeah no yeah well with that being said should we just fly fly jump the wall right into it <laughs> <laughs> let's do it In the opening scene, we hear a narration. It says, a philosopher once asked, are we human because we gaze at the stars or do we gaze at them because we are human? Pointless, really. Do the stars gaze back? Now, that's the question. Did you notice who the narrator was? Who's the narrator? Sir Ian McKellen. Oh my God. (laughs) I actually did read that when I was on IMDb, but that's insane. Yeah. So we go back 150 years at the Royal Academy of Science in London, England, okay? (laughs) Um, They received this random, like, inquiry from this little boy, and they're like, oh, this is nonsense, and they sent it back to this boy who lived in a village called Wall, and it had a big, long wall running alongside of it. 
hiding a portal to another world. <gasps> yes. And this boy goes up to the guard at the portal slash wall, and he's like, let me just go over it. Like, if there's nothing – like, there's a field on the other side. I can see mm-hmm. on the other side it's a field. Just let me go. And he's like, absolutely not. And he's like, all right, I'll just go home. And he walks away to leave. But then he just makes a run for it and jumps through instead. And below, he sees this entire village of another world. There are, like, curiosities. There's tiny elephants. There's these, like, this giant jar of, like, eyeballs that, like, looks Mm. over at him. And a strange, beautiful woman. My goodness. Whoa. This woman is working this stall at the market when her, like, master, I suppose, this old witch named Ditchwater Sal comes over and she's like, mind the stall, I'm going for a pint. So off she goes. And this young woman asks the boy, Dunstan, if he sees anything that he likes. And he's like, uh, I, uh, because she is like super beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he asks how much the flowers are that she's selling. And she's like, oh, you don't want that one. You should take this. It's a snowdrop flower. He asks how much it'll cost. And she's like, oh, for this one? Just a kiss. So she, I don't know, she like taps her cheek and he leans in to kiss her on the cheek, but she pulls a switcheroo on him and like they end up making out. He's into it, so it's okay. Everyone's fine with it. (laughs) She's like, oh, is Ditchwater Sal, like is that woman, is she gone? And when he's like, yes, she's like, okay, follow me. So she brings him over to like the caravan that the stall is like run out of. And he notices that she has this metal, like, string tied to her ankle. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I'm a princess tricked into being a witch's slave. Won't you liberate me? So he pulls out his little handy-dandy pocket knife. He tries to cut it, but it immediately grows back and, like, mends together. It's an enchanted chain. And she'll only be free when the witch dies. And he's like, well, if I can't liberate you what do you want from me? And she just flashes those bedroom eyes and invites him into the caravan. She said, I want that D. That's what I want. I want that free D. Um, (laughs) Yes. So the narrator tells us that the wall had done its job of hiding the magical world of Stormhold. And the young man returned home, just hoping that his adventure would be forgotten. But... Nine months later, he received a souvenir. Unbelievable. (laughs) There was a baby left at the wall, and his name is Tristan. And, yeah, he gets this baby delivered to him. And this is why you got to wrap it before you tap it. So freaking true. Always use protection. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, what would they have used? Like a a piece of a burlap sack? (laughs) Mud. I actually do wonder about like old forms of contrace- contraception because um, I was rewatching yeah. Bridgerton last week in preparation for the new season and like all <laughs> they did was like pull out and I'm like, well, we know that that doesn't work. Like there must have been other things that people were. It's worked for doing. me. <laughs> so far, so good. No, can it, I? It, it can work, but don't rely on it. Yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So back to the movie, 18 years later, Tristan, 
he's all grown up, but he has no idea about like how he was conceived, about the other side of the wall, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But this is a story about how Tristan became a man. And to achieve it, he must win the heart of his one true love. So we see Tristan in the dead of night walking. Dead of night sounds so scary. He's under the moonlight. That sounds better. Yeah, it's pretty. (laughs) He's walking through town with a bouquet of flowers. He tosses some rocks at a young lady's window, Victoria, a.k.a. Sienna Miller. And she's having a little sleepover with her gals, and she rushes over to the window and is like humphrey and he's like no it's it's tristan actually and she's like like, oh fuck Fuck me i guess (laughs) this poor guy is so down bad so that of course is when humphrey comes along uh with his own bouquet of flowers and his cane and just absolutely tears tristan like the smidgen of confidence that tristan has Humphrey decides to destroy it. Done so. Mm-hmm. He ends up like destroying his flowers with his walking cane and like knocks Tristan on his ass. And Victoria's like, all right, that's enough. And Humphrey's like, okay, I guess, whatever. And she does ask Tristan if he's okay before her and her friends just like giggle and close the window on him. So not a great night for Tristan. No. In the morning. Tristan runs down the stairs. He is panicked. He's late for work. His dad is like, you know, how did last night go? And he's like, so good. Great. Amazing. And he rushes out to his shop job. And Tristan is working behind the counter helping customers when Victoria waltzes through and completely cuts the line. She's like, I'll have some eggs and a sack of flour, blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay, okay, Victoria, um, can I see you tonight? And she's like, no, "No, but you can walk me home right now. So he walks out with her. Um, So obviously he got fired. (laughs) Naturally. Naturally. (laughs) So he ends up telling his dad the truth about last night. And he's like, you know what? I'm just wasting my time. I'm not like Humphrey. And Dunstan is like, You know, every man that I envied when I was a boy has led an unremarkable life. And personally, I think it's a good thing that you don't fit in with that crowd. Yeah. Which I think is good advice. He seems like a good dad. I agree. He has, um, you know, a lot of faith in his son. He's also just like a very, like, distinguished gentleman. Mm -hmm. So what does Tristan do? He's like, I'm going to take this opportunity to... Go back to Victoria's house tonight. (sighs) And he goes to Victoria's window. He's like, I have a surprise for you. She's like, oh, my God, my birthday isn't for another week. What could it be? Oh, my God. And she does come down and she seems like genuinely excited about like, you know, what the surprise is and stuff. Mm -hmm. And turns out he has set up a lovely picnic for them in like the forest by her house. And it has, like, champagne and, like, all these goodies. And she's like, how can you afford this? Like, you're on a shopkeeper's salary. And he's like, well, I'm not a shopkeeper anymore. (laughs) You know, now that I'm fired, I can just live my life as I wish. There's a big world out there. And Victoria's like, oh, my gosh, Humphrey is a big traveler, too. Did you know he went all the way to Ipswich to buy me a ring? 
word is he's going to propose to me on my birthday. And Tristan is like, I'm talking about <laughs> London or Paris. Ipswich? Ipswich? <laughs> and he's also shook by the news that he's going to propose. So mm-hmm. Tristan is like, for you, for your hand in marriage, I would cross continents. I would do this. I would do that. I would bring back a polar, polar bear's, bear's head. head. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, they were leaning in about to kiss. And she was like, never mind. Like, that's gross. You went one too far, son. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, you're so funny and tries to leave. But he's like, let's at least finish the champagne first. I will say, ladies, a man will never have a midnight picnic. He's not doing it. With champagne, Mm -mm. which he bought with his entire life savings. Because this man probably makes one sixteenth of a cent an hour. A man will never. He will never. So Ian McKellen tells us that (laughs) Tristan would have been mortified if he had known then that the stars were watching his moment of humiliation. But in fact, luckily for Tristan, every star in the sky was tuned in to Stormhold, which is the name of like the magical like kingdom across the wall. Mm -hmm. This king of Stormhold was on his deathbed at the time. (gasps) And in fact, it was the king's final act that would change the course of Tristan's life forever. So we zoom into the castle where the king has called upon all of his sons, well, at least the ones that are still alive. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where is Secundus? And they're like, oh, he's late, father. And he, of course, makes this grand entrance um, played by Rupert Everett, which I also didn't notice until this watch around. But he gathers his sons and he's like, out of the seven of you, there are four still standing, which is quite a break in tradition because the king himself had 12 brothers and killed them all before his own father even felt poorly. So like pretty ruthless dude. Pretty barbaric. And he's like, yes, and most important, I was cunning. Mm-hmm. So the king then asks Secundus to look out the window. And he's like, "What? tell me what you see, son. And he's like, <laughs> tell me, tell me, son. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> what, do you, what do you see out there? I see your kingdom, father. It's a beautiful kingdom. He's like, what else? He's like, my kingdom? And as he's looking over the edge... Brother Septimus waltzes over, pushes his brother to his death. Cheap trick. And what does the King of Stormhold do? Just laughs his ass off. He's like, (laughs) L-O-L. So once Secundus has died, he turns into a ghost, and we see him join the other dead brothers who are all like ghosts, and we can see basically like how they died. And basically... All of these brothers are going to remain ghosts until the new king is crowned. Mm-hmm. So the king then calls out for his daughter, Una, but um, Tertius tells him that Una has been missing for years. So mystery, what happened there? Who knows? They're like, we can't find out. We just have all the resources. Yeah. Couldn't possibly go to the market looking for her. Nothing like that. We don't go to the market. <laughs> we don't go there. So the king tells them that tradition dictates that the throne must be passed to a male heir and that they will need to, since there are still like multiple children left, 
resolve the situation in a non-traditional manner. So he takes off this giant necklace that he has with this huge ruby in it. And he holds up the necklace and the ruby turns from red to white. And he says that only royal blood can restore the ruby to its original color. And whoever does so will be the new king. Mm -hmm. So the king dies very suddenly. (laughs) The necklace then flies up into the air, into the sky, and flies directly into a star. Oh, wow. Knocks that star right out of the sky, and it goes (laughs) barreling towards Earth. Back to Tristan and Victoria having their picnic. Victoria notices a shooting star, and she's like, oh, it's so beautiful. And Tristan asks if it's more beautiful than a ring from Ipswich. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a bargain with her. He's like, for you, I would cross the wall and bring back the fallen star. And she's like, don't be silly. No one crosses the wall. And he's like, I would do anything for you. So she thinks about it, and she's like, all right, I'll give you one week or else I'm marrying Humphrey. Tristan, my guy, you got to start picking up on the very obvious signs here. She's just not that into you. Yep. But alas. But what does he do? <laughs> cut to a raggedy old witch. <laughs> yes, we cut to um, precisely a raggedy old witch. She watches the star crash in the forest And we see that the star, once it hits the earth, is not just like a a meteor. It's a woman. Whoa. She's wearing this like gorgeous silvery long gown. She has her long glowing blonde hair. And next to her is the king's necklace. So she does pick it up and put it on for safekeeping. And this witch, uh, her name is Lamia. She then goes back to her, like, giant gothic mansion where she wakes up her sisters um, and Pusa and Mormo and tells them that a star has fallen. Oh, my gosh. So the first thing Lemia asks for is the Babylon candle so that she can transport herself over to the star. But her sisters are like, don't be silly. We don't have any of those. So she has to retrieve it on foot. And they all are like, okay, who's going to go? Who's going to get it? Mm -hmm. They cut open like a ferret and they do the divinations to find the star. Also, they draw organs to decide who will retrieve it. And Lamia gets the heart, ends up being the one. Mm -hmm. So she eats the last of the previous star that they have to give her instant youth and beauty and Oh my gosh, she's so full of herself. She's like, (laughs) look at my ass, look at my tits, like I look amazing. Yeah, the sisters like roll their eyes as she's just like checking herself out in the mirror. But if I looked like Michelle Pfeiffer, catch me doing the exact same damn thing. Yeah, why not? So we see Tristan approaching the wall where the same old man guard is still working there. He even, like, mistakes him for his father because they look, like, very similar. They even have the same hair. Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, oh, I assume you want to cross the wall as well. And Tristan's like, as well? Like, as well as who? Whomst? And the guard is like, oh, nobody, nobody, and just, like, sends Tristan home. But Tristan, like father, like son, tries to pull the exact same trick that his dad did all those years ago 
But this time, the guard is more than prepared and does like these insane acrobatic flips over the wall. My man flips over the <laughs> yeah. wall at 80 plus. Yeah. This dude is like pushing 100 for sure um, and kicks Tristan's ass back to the other side. And he's like, not this time. So he walks back home and Dunstan comes downstairs to see Tristan like nursing his black eye. And he's like, oh, was it Humphrey again? But he's like, no, it was the guard at the wall. And he's like, that man must be 90 years old. And he's like, yeah, well, he's had a lot of time to practice, daddy. 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 He hit me. And his dad is like, well, why were you trying to cross the wall? And Tristan's like, might I ask you the same thing, sir? Mm. So Dunstan does end up telling Tristan the truth about his mother. He shows them the bit of the, the like enchanted chain that he cut, um, the glass like snowdrop flower, mm -hmm. and tells Tristan that his mother said it would bring him luck. He then also hands Tristan a scroll from like the basket that he came in that he never opened. It's addressed to Tristan, and it's a letter from his mother. It says. My dearest Tristan, please know that I only ever wanted the best for you. Had my mistress allowed it, I would have kept you in a heartbeat. My dearest wish is that we will meet someday. The fastest way to travel is by candlelight. To use it, think of me and only me. I will think of you every day for always. Your mother. Aww. And in this scroll, Tristan finds a candle. So he asks his father for a light. He lights the candle, and then in a poof of smoke, Tristan is gone. And where does he go? Well, he crash lands onto Yvain, the woman who now has the necklace, a.k.a. the mm -hmm. star that was knocked out of the sky. And he's like, mother? <laughs> and Mommy? she's like, I'm not your mother. Like, get off of me. And he realizes that when the candle was lit – Victoria popped into his head at the last moment. So he asks Yvain if she's seen a fallen star anywhere. And with further explanation, he realizes that she's the star. And she's like, yeah, I was hit out of the sky by this weird necklace. So Tristan is like shocked, but gathers himself together enough to use the enchanted chain on her, <laughs> chains her, Immediately goes to kidnapping. Yeah, he's like, I'm so sorry, and I'm I'm really sorry for what I'm about to. And she's like, what? A chain. <laughs> chain. And this is where Tristan loses his nomination for Respectful King. <laughs> he's like, well, I'm going to bring you back to Victoria as a birthday gift. And she's like, oh, yeah, nothing says romance like the gift of a kidnapped, injured woman. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. You're speaking you facts. You lost the nom. <laughs> It's not you anymore. No. I don't think there are really any respectful kings in this movie. Maybe Dunstan. Maybe Dunstan. Yeah. He seems I wanted to Oh, well, this is a spoiler. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. So then we go to this like church, I guess. The chapel. I'm assuming, yeah, it's probably like a chapel in the castle or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where Primus, one of the Stormhold sons, is meeting with the bishop, and the bishop is like, you know, I'm really rooting for you to be Stormhold's first benevolent king. 
I'm on your side. And that is, of course, when Septimus and Tertius walk in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, 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 what do we have here? And the bishop is like, oh, why don't you join me in a toast to the new king of Stormhold? So the servant brings over all these glasses of wine. Everybody grabs one. They all drink. And what happens? The bishop starts choking and... Rut row. He dead. He dies immediately. Done so. <laughs> yeah. So the brothers all stare at each other, waiting for the next one to drop. It's Tertius. He dies. He's out. Done. Dead. So then it's just Primus and Septimus. Septimus starts choking. He collapses. Another one bites the dust. So Primus then starts lifting up the crown when all of a sudden Septimus just starts laughing his ass off because he obviously faked it. Vicious. Yeah. yeah. Tells Primus that he actually is the one that killed the bishop because he drank out of the wrong cup. Mm -hmm. So Primus is a little bit shocked by the fact that he accidentally just killed the bishop. And Septimus is like, why don't you go return to your chambers and like mull over your guilt and leave the quest for the stone to me. But... Yeah, I think this is like kind of one of the first moments that we get in the movie that brings that kind of like funny little like campy yeah. moment to this like dramatic scene because even the music is like swelling and building as he's like picking up the crown and yeah. it goes like when Septimus starts laughing. So I really like the the interplay. It's very fun. Yeah. Also when the brother goes to look over the ledge and he's like, your kingdom. <laughs> and he's like, maybe my, my kingdom? kingdom? <laughs> but yeah, it's a really nice moment. Yeah. Then we cut back to the witches. Lamia looks at her castle in disdain. It is filthy. They are living in squalor. So she uses her magic to light the candles and says that when she returns with the star, they shall all be young again. Mm. Cut back to Tristan and Yvain. Tristan is trying to sleep, but Yvain keeps waking him up because she's like, oh, stars don't sleep during the... No, stars sleep during the day mm. um, and they're up all night. But he's like, well, now you're on Earth. No more shining and no more sleeping during the day. They get into an argument because Yvain is like, I'm not going with you. And he says he was going to use the rest of his Babylon candle to put her back in the sky after presenting her to Victoria. So she finally agrees to go with him since she has no other option. Do you think that he was going to do that, really? Yeah, I could see him doing that. Yeah. What about you? I think so. I think so. But also, he did kidnap a woman, so his morals are a little questionable. (laughs) I think he's a little, like, you know, not to say just, like, ignorant like he doesn't understand Mm -hmm. i think he begins the movie kind of like selfish and young like naive and then Mm -hmm. you know but he's never like mean spirited that's true yeah he is like a kind person for the most part there's like one moment where he like calls yvain a cow which i don't love yvain also (laughs) is like so rude yeah she's not exactly like delightful to him but also i wouldn't be like super nice to somebody who like kidnapped me and wanted to like present me to someone as an object yeah although i will say it is a fantasy but like 
if my picture frame, right, came to mm. life and was like, mur, 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 I'd be like, okay, <laughs> chill, because you're an inanimate object. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy didn't even mm. know stars were people minutes That's ago. True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sound off in the comments. What yeah, would you let do? us know what you think. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> so where do we go? We go back to Lamia. So she, super hot, Michelle Pfeiffer, approaches this boy who's like outside of his house with a goat. And she's like, a florin for your goat, sir. And he's like, oh, I think it's a bit small to pull your cart. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, so I'm freaking true. So true, King. And then turns him <laughs> into a goat as well. <laughs> but once she casts this spell, she starts to get some liver spots some age spots on her arm. So clearly the magic, there's a price to it. And she mm-hmm. ages exponentially every time. She ages like yeah. um, an old piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts off like pretty tame. But by the time we get to the end, it's like pretty grotesque <laughs> the way that they make her look. Because, you know, there's nothing wrong with aging. That's like no, normal no. and fine. But the state at the end is... It's tough to see. It's a little scary. It's a little scary. The next thing we see, um, Lamia walks up to this old witch who is Ditchwater Cell. And she's like, hello, like, I would like to share a meal. And the woman is like, get lost. But then she's like, we're from the same clan. Like, let me share a meal with you, whatever. And she's like, oh, why didn't you just say that? And she gets her servant, a.k.a. Tristan's mom, to get a seat for her. And in this, like, scene, whatever, she is a bird. And then the witch turns her into a human to get the stool and then back into a bird. Then Ditchwater sells, like, heads or tails. And she has, like, this <laughs> small animal on heads a spit. Heads or tails. <laughs> and she's like, Heads. <laughs> so they eat their meal and Ditchwater Sal is like, oh, where are you headed off to? And Lamia's like, I'm looking for a fallen star. And then she's like, why the fuck did I say that? Because every witch <laughs> wants to get the fallen star. Like, obviously, it's like eternal youthfulness and stuff. Yeah. So she realizes that she's been fed limbus grass and Lamia tells her she's made a big mistake. And Ditchwater Sal's like, okay. And then she's like, wait, how do you know my name? And Lamia tells her to look again. And she looks at Lamia and I guess Lamia is like the dark majesty. So she's like a really high powered witch. Mm-hmm. Ditchwater Sal kneels before her and she's like, I will not seek the star. <laughs> and Lamia's like, damn right you won't. Because you will never be able to find the star or see this star or perceive the star and, like, cast a spell on her. Mm -hmm. Because of this, her other hand ages back to its original state. Yeah. It's, like, moments like this where I'm kind of like, oh, I wish we got some more of, like, the lore and there was, like, more world building. Yeah, like, why is she the Dark Majesty? Yeah, yeah, like, I would love to know. Ooh, that would be, like, such an interesting like origin story movie about like the oh, three yeah. witches that'll be it was it's like kind of a hocus pocus e like mm. thing or like very shakespearean the three witches oh yeah yeah that'll be cool 
But we don't get that. Anyway. <laughs> back to the next scene. Yeah. So we go back to Tristan and Euphane. They are lost in the woods. Tristan refuses to ask for directions. Classic. Classic. Man. Oh Classic. my gosh. She's like, How do you know where you're going? And she's like he's like, I I just know. <laughs> Because the North Star, you could see it even during the day. And she's like, what? Can you? Can you? Can you? (laughs) And he's like, maybe it's my love for Victoria guiding me home. Okay. It's not. It's not. So Yvain is exhausted. So she sits down to rest. And Tristan's like, okay, fine. You can rest here. I'll go get food. So he uses the enchanted chain to chain her to a tree so she doesn't run away. Love that for him. Women women be running, you know. Yeah. <laughs> These crazy women wanting to get free from the fucking grasp I have on them. Crazy. So then we see Septimus. And just to give some more context, like you can tell Primus is – you know, same from the same ruthless family, but he is a um, much more chill guy. Mm-hmm. He seems to be like relatively decent. Septimus yeah. is like bloodthirsty. If he becomes king, he's going to like be an oligarch. Like mm-hmm. he is not a good guy. Oh, for sure. I think Mark Strong is like so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying before we hopped on mic that I've seen this movie so many times and I never noticed that it was Mark Strong because I'm so used to seeing him bald. Yeah. But I did get to meet him once and he is Oh my god. So beautiful. He's so Where did you meet man. him? I saw him in um what the fuck was that play? Something bridge. Like the Broadway play. Yeah. I I know what you're talking about. I, a view from the bridge. Yeah. A view from okay. the bridge. Yes. I saw him that and I got to meet him at the stage door. Nice. Um, and I took a picture with him and he is so beautiful. And was just like a lovely man. Super nice. I love that. So Mark, if you're out there, you have an open <laughs> invitation to come on the pod. <laughs> Anytime you'd like. Yes. So Septimus has his men bring him the soothsayer. And the soothsayer is the one who guided them south to find the star. But they end up at the beach. He's like, I literally can't go south anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you. Get your ass over here. And the soothsayer's like, I merely told you what the ruins said. And Septimus is like, well, consult them again. But first, like he he's like, am I the seventh son? He has the soothsayer check the runes. Then he asks is my favorite color blue? And the runes are like, yes, again. And he asks the runes, has excessive begging or pleading ever persuaded me to spare the life of a traitor? Tosses the runes. It hasn't. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, I want you to throw them really high up there. And while the runes are in the air, he's like, are you working for my brother? And they fall and they say, yes. And Steptimus stabs, I'm like, stab, 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 (laughs) alliteration. But um, Septimus stabs him before tossing the runes himself and asking if they continue west. Cut to Lamia throwing her own runes. Mm -hmm. I want like a bag of runes to decide. I'm like, should I have a coconut yogurt for breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) 
so we go back to Yvaine, still tied up on the tree. It's dark outside. Night has fallen. And she hears some, like, rustling in the trees. Very spooky. So she's like, Tristan? Tristan, is that you? <laughs> it's not Tristan. Funnily enough, it's a unicorn. Love Here her. to solve all of her problems. Love that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> She walks on over, uses her horn to cut the chain. It frees Yvain. That's crazy that the unicorn can do that. Yeah. I feel like also, like, that's something that I would love to have explained, like, in some like, sort of why? lore. Yeah. yeah like, Cause it seems like unicorns and stars are aligned, or like, there's some mm-hmm. sort of alliance here that I yeah. don't know about. Yeah. It also made me think of, like, cause I feel like in. Like, uh, literature, I guess. Unicorns are often, like, considered this very, like, pure, magical, like, being of, like, like a good thing. It's always, like, a good omen or, like, they do mm-hmm. good, et cetera. Like, it makes me think of how in Harry Potter, like, one of the ultimate, like, sins you can commit is, like, killing a unicorn. Yeah. Okay. So, like, they do have this very, like, pure kind of imagery. Yeah. So, let me uh- – Still has no clue where Yvain is. So she uses her magic to contact her sisters, even though with every spell she's doing, like the star's power wears off, she becomes older. It's not looking too hot. Mm-hmm. And her sisters are like, oh my God, you need to conserve your magic. And Lamia's like, well, the runes are telling me gibberish. You need to do a divination so that I can figure this shit out. So they get this crocodile they rip that open, tear out its innards, and they tell her to stay put because the star is coming to her. But misery has drained the star, and she is barely shining. So she needs to set a trap, like make her feel at ease, brighten the star before she cuts her heart out. Pretty grim. Pretty grim. Pretty grim. grim. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tristan gets back to the tree. No, you vain. Classic. So Lamia then decides to turn her goats into humans, one of them back into his human form, the other one just like a straight-up goat that is now a human. Um, And she also decides to turn the boy into a girl. Oh, my gosh. Um, With, like, boobs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also uses her magic to turn her cart into a fully functioning giant inn. Like, she didn't need to make it this big. It's huge. Um, and she's like, all right, here's the story. Billy, the former goat, you're going to be the innkeeper. I'm going to be your wife. And this girl here is going to be our daughter. Now ready the inn for a guest. And wowie. They get the hot water going. Mm. They get the fire blazing. Yeah. And what's Yvain doing? She is riding the unicorn, talking to the unicorn, about how there was no way to tell if Tristan would keep his promise and that he can't be the only person in Stormhold who can help her. Meanwhile, back at the tree, Tristan hears these whispers from the stars and he's like, I want to say like half asleep or something. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you have to protect Yvain. The unicorn has helped her, but now they're heading into a trap. It kind of reminds me of the voice of the starfish in Aquamarine. Oh, yeah. Like, whispery, whisper. Aqua. whisper. <laughs> 
Yeah. So they tell him that no star is safe in Stormhold, and the last star to fall was 400 years ago, and she was captured by the same witches who are seeking Yvain. They tricked her, and then they cared for her. When her heart was aglow, they cut it from her chest and ate it. And they tell him a coach is coming, and he must get on it by any means possible. So Tristan then awakes from his sleep. He runs to the coach. Uh, He almost makes it, like, grabbing onto it, but just crashes and falls on his ass. So the coach stops, and who is driving it? Oh my god, it's Primus. So he stops the carriage and, like, puts his sword to Tristan's neck. He's like, who are you? Did Septimus send you? And Tristan's like, I don't know who Septimus is. I just need a lift. Like, I'm unarmed, please. And he's like, sorry, (laughs) child. Like, I'm on a quest of enormous importance. And Tristan's like, no, maybe it was fate. Like, I can be there to lend you a hand when you need. Maybe Providence sent me to you and vice versa. And then Primus is like, all right. All right, get on. <laughs> I've had enough of this. So Yvain sees the inn, and she rides her unicorn up to it. Lamia offers her inside and says they have plenty of food and hot water and offers to draw her a bath. And my husband will bring your horse to the stable. Billy is chewing on a rag. <laughs> he is chewing on a rag. Yeah. So their daughter helps Yvain undress. Like this guy is like yeah watering at the mouth. Mm-hmm. Um and so she gets into the bath. Lamia repairs the pain in her leg. She's like, Oh, does your leg feel better? But really she like zaps it with her mm-hmm. witchy powers. Also like weird that this like young woman is just like naked in the bath and like the innkeeper is just sitting there. I think that's just how it was in the old times though. I guess. Yeah. Just going off of the little I know about that era. Yes. Like people shitting in the um, <laughs> like royal palace, like Louis right. the 14th or whatever. Mm-hmm. But so she's like in this bath. Yvain's like, oh, I feel so much happier. And Lamia brings her to bed and tells her that she has healer's hands and offers her a massage. And Yvain's like, oh, I don't, I don't know what that is. And she's like, oh. It'll be so relaxing. You'll feel so much better. Just lay down on your back. Lamia is about to whip out the axe hidden under Yvain's bed and kill her when Primus knocks on the door to the inn. Yeah. So Tristan and Primus are outside in the rain. Nobody answers. And Tristan's like, maybe we should try the next inn. But he's like, no, my runes say that the star is close. So Lamia eventually has to go downstairs because of this banging on the door. So she tells Yvain to just wait a moment while she takes care of the customer. Meanwhile, Billy the goat man lets Primus in and we watch Lamia pull a little bottle of poison, I assume. Whoa. Out of her breast and puts it in some wine. Out of her breast. <laughs> oh Meanwhile, Primus just takes it upon himself to get into the bath Yvain comes down, like, looking for Lamia, and he thinks she works there. He's like, ah, prepare your best room, blah, blah, blah. And Lamia's like, oh, please don't bother my guests. I'm the lady of the house. Here's some wine. And he's like, no, thank you. 
Until my brother is dead, I have vowed to drink only my own wine. Good choice. Good choice. Like all the ghosts are holding their breath right now. Yeah. So Primus then starts droning like on and on and on to Yvain about his travels and his dad and blah, 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 while Lamia goes back upstairs to get the knife. Pretty crazy shit happening. So the daughter who was the guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He brings the wine over to Tristan, who is in the barn instead. And while Lamia starts sneaking around with her knife, finally Primus recognizes the stone on Yvain's neck. And at that moment, the unicorn breaks out of the stable knocks over the wine that Tristan's about to drink and like points to the wine on the floor and he can see it like smoking like something yeah. is fucked up with that wine. Meanwhile, Primus is demanding Yvain bring him the stone. Tristan bursts in to warn Primus about the poison, but Lamia slits his freaking throat immediately. Yeah. And he joins the rest of the ghosts. I love the detail of the fact that his blood is blue. Yeah, why is that? Like royal blood, like blue blooded. Oh, you're so yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was wondering that. So mm. Lamia orders Billy to get Tristan, but the unicorn runs into him, smacks him against the wall, turning him back into a goat. This unicorn has too much power. <laughs> it needs explanation. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, Lamia's like, I'm getting my way. Watch me and uses this magic green fire to entrap Yvain and um, Tristan. Mm -hmm. They can't move. They can't get out the door or window or anything. And she says, the burning golden heart of a star at peace is better than her frightened heart, but better than nothing. So she's like, I don't care if you're comfortable. I'm getting your heart. Yeah. Tristan tells Yvain to hold on tight and think of home. And he lights the Babylon candle on the green flames. And because of his poor instructions, they land on a cloud because they were both thinking of their respective homes. So they're now halfway between the two. Not great. And Tristan catches a freaking attitude and he's like, you stupid cow. Like, why did you think of the sky? And she's like, you literally told me to think of home. There's no way. <laughs> Like, I was like, oh, they're going back to the stars. Like, I literally yeah. thought that's what he wanted because he was like, oh, I only have the one Babylon candle. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess I'll use it now. Like, we'll figure it out. I was like, <laughs> who would think that? Yeah. Who would think that? Yeah. And so she tells him this. He's like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't give more, like, detailed instructions when you were about to be killed. I'm like, you could have said anything else. She doesn't even know where you live, bro. <laughs> And he's so mad. It's very off-putting. It's the one moment that I really don't like Tristan. But alas, they argue about it for a while until they are caught by a net and brought onto a ship in the sky. And the crew is Ew. like, Oi, it's lightning marshals, in it? And they present them to their captain, Captain Shakespeare, a.k.a. Robert De Niro. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, oh, they don't look like lightning marshals. Who are you? What do you want? He's like, hey, they don't <laughs> look like lightning marshals. <laughs> Who are you? And when they don't answer, he's like, all right, have them thrown into the brig. 
So they do. And the crew goes back to, what are they doing? Catching lightning. Oh, oh. Oh. My name is Eric Gray, and I'm the host of the podcast, Dumb People with Terrible Ideas, where I exhaustively research a single subject, explain it in under 20 minutes, while providing particularly playful puns peppered with poop jokes. What is trickle-down economics, you might ask? What is wrong with FM radio? Why does Rudy Giuliani look like that? Dumb People with Terrible Ideas is available wherever you get your podcasts. And it leans left. It's feverishly funny, ferociously factual, and filled with fast-moving nonfiction info narrated as if the movie trailer guy got a PhD and then went to open mic night at the comedy store. Check out my podcast, Dumb People with Terrible Ideas. The only podcast that makes dumb people learn and smart people laugh. So down in the brig, Yvain and Tristan get tied up. And she says that she used to envy people having adventures. And he tells her to be careful what she wishes for. But says that he admires her dreaming. I'm like, okay, okay. Mm. And he says that a shop boy like him could have never imagined an adventure this big. And he thought he'd find a lump of celestial rock, just take it home, and that would be it. And Yvain's like, what I've noticed watching Earth is that people aren't what they seem, and he's not just a shop boy, and she thanks him for saving him. I mean, I'd still be salty about the way that he acted on the cloud, but I guess she lets it go. (laughs) I mean, remember when you yelled at me five seconds ago? Yeah. Remember when you called me a cow? Yeah. Um, But they do kind of reconcile in this moment Mm -hmm. as they assume that they are both about to die. Yeah. I just wish she apologized, but... So true. Maybe it happened and we didn't see it. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) So back to Septimus. He finds Primus's dead body. Uh, The only thing that remains from the inn is, like, the bathtub with him in it. He's like, oh, my God, that's my last brother that's dead. I'm the new king. Oh, fuck. I don't have the stone, though. So he then finds the boy that Lamia kidnapped. He's, like, hiding under the carriage. And he questions him about the stone. So the boy tells, like, Septimus all about what happened, how Lamia is after the star's heart. She wants to eat it, have eternal youth, etc. Blah, blah, blah. And Septimus is like, hmm, eternal life, you say? Color me intrigued. So he decides to bring the boy with them as they continue on their journey. Yes. Meanwhile, Lamia's hair is falling out. She's looking raggedy Ann. (laughs) And all of this magic that she's using is making her revert back to her former self. In the midst of this, she's like, I will use more magic actually to call (laughs) my sisters. Yeah. And they let her know that the star is still airborne, so she tells them to inform her as soon as she touches the ground. The sisters get pissed at how Lamia has not only lost the star, but also broken the knife. The knife? Yeah, because when um when Tristan lights the Babylon candle, that's when Lamia is about to like stab them. Oh. So yeah. the knife because it's like a glass knife it like smashes and breaks against like the wall of the inn gotcha Mm -hmm. so they're not really pleased they're like we should have gone on this ordeal Mm -hmm. not you 
But Lamia just tells them she will bring the star home and we'll deal with her there. Yes. So back in the brig, still tied up, Yvain asked Tristan to tell her about Victoria. And he's like, oh, um, there's not really anything to say. So, like, it's really just, like, he lives in a small town. I'm trying. <laughs> she's the prettiest girl there. So he's like, yes, I love her. You got to expand your horizons, kid. So Yvaine says that, you know, she spent all this time looking down on Earth and what she does know about love is that it's not conditional. Yeah. And Tristan's like, well, I'm not trying to buy her love. I'm just trying to prove how I feel. And Yvain brings up a very good point and says, well, what has Victoria done to prove how she feels about you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, you'll, you'll just understand when you meet her, so long as we don't get murdered by pirates first. And Yvain goes... Murdered by pirates, heart torn out in Eden, meet Victoria. I can't decide which sounds more fun. <laughs> Back to the witches, the sisters inform Lamia that they've located the vessel and that the prince is following her tracks, so better get a move on. Mm-hmm. Back to the ship. Captain Shakespeare interrogates Tristan and Yvain. He asks who they are, why they're here. Tristan tries to pretend Yvain is his wife. They do not buy that. <laughs> and he starts to hit on Yvain. And Tristan is like, don't you dare touch her. And Captain Shakespeare is like, if you talk back again, I'll feed your tongue to the dogs. And then mulls over the different ways that he might kill Tristan. And Tristan says they're just trying to make their way home to Wall. And the captain holds a knife to his throat and says, that's one too many lies, son. <laughs> Captain's crew is eavesdropping on this entire conversation. Shakespeare is yelling. Captain Shakespeare, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the guys all rush out to the deck to watch Captain throw Tristan off the ship. Oh, my God. And then he drags Yvain kicking and screaming up to the top deck. And he's like, no one bother me for the next few hours or else you'll get thrown overboard too. And he's like, (laughs) and the guys are like, (laughs) so we go into the cabin. And as soon as he (laughs) locks, he like throws her and he's like, get in there, wench. And then locks the door. Oh my gosh. And we see Tristan just standing there in his long johns. And Captain Shakespeare is like, well, I think that went well. Now tell me news of my beloved England. So total 180 shit. It's so like funny, but also they totally make him do like, now tell me about my beloved England. And he like has a limp wrist and everything. Like it's super cliche. It's very heavy handed. Um, So it turns out what he threw overboard was a mannequin. And Captain Shakespeare is like, yeah, it works every time. The perfect oh recipe God. for a towering reputation without ever having to spill one drop of blood. And Tristan is like, I'm confused. Like, how is your crew not going to recognize me when I leave your cabin? And Captain Shakespeare is like, oh, don't worry. Once I'm done with you, your own mother won't recognize you. They've only got two hours before they have to make port. So, first things first, they go into his gigantic walk-in closet we're talking like 
The entire underbelly of this cabin is like Mm -hmm. the walk-in closet. Yes. Yeah. So he pulls out an outfit for Tristan that he wore when he was a younger man and says, I hate to throw anything away. You know, the day you do, it'll come back in fashion. (laughs) And he also tells Yvain to pick a dress. And she's like, oh, no, I'm fine. And he goes, honey, you're wearing a bathrobe. (laughs) So she goes over to peruse his many gowns. And Captain Shakespeare asks Tristan again about England and says that when he was a boy, he lapped up their stories. People always said it was folklore, but he knew they were true. So, like, oh, wow. England is the mystical Isn't that funny? land. Crazy. I kind of feel that way in a sense because I feel like mm. every magical thing, it's always like England, mm. like that Drew Barrymore movie of Cinderella, like anything old. Oh, yeah. I guess. Is really just like English accents mm-hmm. and petticoats. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he talks about how when he was young, he used to go to the market with his dad and peek over the wall and dream of seeing England for himself one day. Wow. And then he's like, you know what, Tristan, we got to change your hair, which I think is a good call because that bowl cut oh, is not working yeah. for him. Not looking great. Mm-hmm. So Captain does Tristan's hair and – He talks about how his father is also a captain and had a cold-blooded reputation. And when he died, he promised to take over the family business. And he gushes about how much he loves being able to confide in them because maintaining his Captain Shakespeare persona is a lot of pressure. I'm like, this man is so deep in the closet. So deep. So deep. Tristan says, wouldn't it make you happier to be yourself? Why fight to be accepted by people you don't want to be like? And Yvain's like, oh, yeah. Like, why would anyone do that themselves? Cough, cough. Hmm. Victoria not accepting you unless you bring her a fucking star. Mm. So Yeah. So it's starting to dawn on Tristan that maybe he's made some questionable decisions. Mm-hmm. So eventually they dock at the port so that Captain Shakespeare can sell his lightning barrels at the market. So they go to Ferdy's office, a.k.a. Ricky Gervais, popping in for a quick Uh, little cameo. Love. (laughs) We did read that he pretty much improvised almost all of his dialogue. There's like one line, I think, that was scripted. Mm -hmm. But other than that, he just did whatever. He just did his thing. Yeah, yeah. Ferdy and Shakespeare haggle over the price of the lightning. Ferdy is clearly a huge cheapskate. Um, Captain starts like, to walk. 160. And Captain's like 200. He's like, listen, 170. And he's like 200. And he's like, no, I'm haggling. You're not haggling. And he's like, did I hear 200? And he's like, only if you're a ventriloquist because I never said that. <laughs> it's like a really funny repartee yeah so eventually they agree on 195 and he's like and with sales tax that brings our total to 200 he's like great excellent (laughs) love that for us yeah so ferdy then brings captain shakespeare aside and he's like have you heard any rumors about a fallen star on your travels because you know if you get your hands on one of those we could retire set up shop Money, money, honey. Money, money, money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> I'm just a baby. I don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> so the captain then glances over at Yvain. Obviously, he knows what she is. And he's like, 
Nope. I know what you are. <laughs> Say it out loud. Come on, my little spider monkey. <laughs> and he's like, no, haven't heard anything. And you know what, Ferdy? You shouldn't waste your time listening to gossip from the market dwellers near the wall. And of course, speak of the devil who comes in, Ditchwater Sal. Uh, and Cap is like, oh yeah, good to see you again, Ditchwater Sal. Bye-bye now. And off they go. They get back onto ship where a young man, Tristan, but in his makeover, is waiting. And Captain introduces him as Tristan Thorne, his nephew, who will be joining them for the journey home. He then presents him with Yvain as a gift. And Tristan has to pretend to be like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So we get a beautiful montage as they sail through the skies. They have dinner with a captain. Tristan and Yvain getting a little flirty flirt. Mm -hmm. The captain actually teaches Tristan how to use a sword finally because this man has been knocked on his ass the entire movie. Too many times. (laughs) And he also teaches Yvain how to play piano. I'm like, cute. What? what? <laughs> like, he's such a kind of Captain Shakespeare. Ooh, respectful, respectful king. king. Yeah. How subversive. I agree. Like, not who you'd expect, but also just a sweetheart. Yeah. They also learn how to catch lightning, and Captain Shakespeare teaches Yvain how to dance. It's a beautiful, like, mm. almost like father daughter yes. scene. And. Tristan becomes quite the swordsman. He picked it up quickly. Was I swooning just a little bit? Maybe just a little bit. Who knows? Just a little. (laughs) So (laughs) that night, Captain Shakespeare and Yvain, they're dancing on the deck. One of the little crew members is like winding the record player thingy. I don't know. Do they they have record player? No. The sousaphone. I don't know what it is. I, I, I was I was just throwing <laughs> spitballing, if you will. It's a music machine that he's cranking. It's a what? It's a what? It's a music machine <laughs> and it plays trombone. <laughs> yep. Um, Yvain is having a great time. She is glowing. She is shining. And Captain Shakespeare is like, I know what you are. Don't worry. No one on this vessel will harm you. But there are plenty out there that would. And he tells her that her emotions are what give her away. So she needs to control them. And he's like, you've been glowing more and more each day. And I think we both know why. She's like, what do you mean? I'm a star. What do stars do? Shine. (laughs) And then Tristan cuts in to have a little dance. And Yvain starts like, glowing glowing like girl's got a bad it's a dead giveaway she is down bad for sure back to the witch's journey lamia bribes ferdy for info about yvain and captain and asks if he could get her a babylon candle and he's like those are hard to come by and starts telling this story about a woman he knew once who looked like a frog's asshole and just <laughs> super gross. And Lamia is like instantly fed up and does a spell that turns his voice into a chicken's cluck. He's That's like, cluck, like a pretty oh. harsh punishment just for like talking a little too much. She's like, what if you sh-? like, I'm like, this is the man's whole last livelihood. He can never speak again. Um, 
So we go back to the ship where Captain Shakespeare actually lands the ship on water. So now it's just like a regular ship. Crazy that he can do that. I know. And uh, they approach land where Tristan and Yvonne must continue on to wall. Shakespeare then gives Tristan a canister of lightning and wishes them well on their journey. And Tristan is like, however, can we thank you for your kindness? And the captain is like, don't mention it. Seriously, do not mention it. Shut the fuck up. No, shut the fuck up. Don't say another freaking word. Reputation takes years to build, seconds to destroy. (laughs) And before Tristan leaves, Captain Shakespeare pulls him over and whispers in his ear. And he's like, just think about it. So as they walk off, Yvain asks Tristan, like, what? Shakespeare whispered to him and he's like oh yeah he just said that we should trade the lightning for a Babylon candle don't worry about it moving right along moving right along Septimus makes it to Ferdy tries to interrogate him about the star but all he can do is squawk and cluck and Septimus is like don't mock me (laughs) and he ends up stabbing him Then Lamia calls her sisters again, and they tell her the star is back on land. She's on the road to the wall. So if Lamia takes the shortcut over the marsh, she will get there in the nick of time. Meanwhile, Yvain and Tristan, they're continuing on foot when he spots, like, a carriage approaching them. So he pushes Yvain into, like, a ditch so that they can hide until it passes. And she's, like, on her back. He is, like, hovering above her. There's a lot of tension. She starts glowing. Oh, my God. I think I would be, like, mortified if I, like, glowed anytime I was around somebody that I had a crush on, like, because it's such a dead giveaway. <laughs> I'd be like, don't look at that. There was actually – there was an episode of Grey's Anatomy where this woman had, like, this really uh, specific type of, like, rosacea where, like, she would flare up so much if she, like, was attracted to somebody or, like, got embarrassed and stuff. So it was, like, always a dead giveaway. What is the show? <laughs> the show sounds fucking insane. It. I mean, yeah, every episode is, like, a new patient with a new, like, crazy – disease or like does like one of the doctors fall in love with her or something well no no she she like clearly has a crush on like some of like the really attractive because everyone's so fucking hot in this hospital and like she kind of has like this monologue where she's like do you know how hard it is that like i can never keep anything to myself that like if i even feel like the slightest emotion like people know it i don't have anything that's like secret uh like the doctors know that i have like a crush on them because like whenever they walk into the room i like flare up and i was like that sounds horrible <laughs> yeah to never be able to keep an emotion to yourself see i have a different problem where i just like if i don't like something or if i'm annoyed i just immediately get an attitude <laughs> and that is really hard for me to control <laughs> yeah that is a rough one <laughs> But yeah, Yvain is glowing. She's very much glowing. And Tristan's like, I can't risk people seeing you. Like, I don't trust anyone. And she glows even more. And as he's on top of her, she whispers to him. She's like, are you tempted? And he's like, what? She's like, by immortality. You know, if it wasn't me and it was just a star that you didn't know, like, would you eat my heart? And... (laughs) That's oh the God. subtext. And he's like, please, you think I could kill anyone? And anyways, everlasting life. That sounds really lonely. 
Well, maybe if you had someone you loved to share it with. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Then it might be but different. <laughs> maybe, but what if? But what if I had a devoted life partner that wanted to live out uh, the rest of days with me? Haha, <laughs> JK and loves. Haha, <laughs> JK and loves. <laughs> so finally, they get up and they continue on their journey. Septimus approaches Captain Shakespeare's ship and his men, they tell Septimus that Captain Shakespeare has a fearsome reputation. That's not true. Septimus tells this to his men. <laughs> they all like approach the pirates. Um, what's Captain Shakespeare doing? He's painting a heart on his cheek. He's Just trying on teeny, some petticoats. Just a teeny, tiny little heart. <laughs> Just a teeny little heart on my cheek. And he's, like, having a blast in his cabin. Septimus' men fight with the crew while Septimus walks around trying to find Captain Shakespeare. And he ends up finding him dancing in the mirror with his pink fluffy dress and a feather fan. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? Captain Shakespeare turns around to face him and Septimus is about to kill him because he won't give him any answers about Yvain and the stone. But the crew bursts in in the nick of time to save Captain and Septimus jumps out of the window into the water. Yes. Meanwhile, back to Tristan and Yvain. They're walking. We have a little flirty flirt flirt. And then they notice that there's a sign saying 60 miles to wall, which is like a two-day walk. And Yvain is like, we don't have two days. Victoria's birthday is tomorrow. And Tristan's like, oh, yeah. Whoops. Forgot about that. Great memory on you. Yeah. He's got someone else on his mind. Who could it be? Is it just a crush? <laughs> Do you ever feel when you're all alone? <laughs> all that we could be where this thing could go. Wow. David Archuleta. Had such a crush on him. I love that song. So back on the ship, the crew brings the captain his tea. Shakespeare is very pissed off. And they're like, what's the problem? And he's like, my reputation. And they're like, it's all right, captain. We always knew you were a whoopsie. And they like shove that guy <laughs> away. And they're like, you'll always be our captain, captain. And Captain Shakespeare just goes, yeah and the guys are like and then he's like all right get out of here yeah they said no homophobes on this ship they said we have a big um a pride sticker on the front door of the ship Mm -hmm. we're all allies so as tristan and yvain are walking they are hiding from like another carriage when yvain realizes that the person driving this caravan is Ditchwater Sal, who she recognizes from Ferdy's place. And she's like, oh, that woman is friends with Captain Shakespeare. I remember her. We should ask her for a lift. Since, like, clearly she's a safe person. So they go up. They stop the carriage. Ditchwater Sal doesn't even let Tristan get two words out because she immediately zeroes in on the snowdrop flower on his coat and is like, I've been looking for that for 18 years. And she tries to grab it. I forget he's 18. Oh, I my know. goodness. I know. He's so young. And um, Tristan pulls out his sword. And he's like, all right, I'll do a deal since obviously it's very important to you. You can have it in exchange for a Babylon candle. 
And Yvain is like, yeah, and we also need safe passage to Wall. But Sal doesn't even acknowledge her because she literally can't even see her or tell that she's there mm-hmm. because of the spell that Lamia cast on her. Yeah. And Sal is like, I don't deal in black magic. And Tristan is like, all right, fine, just the lift then. So Sal is like, all right, I'll give you food and lodging and you'll arrive at the wall in the exact same condition that you're in now. He's like, sounds good. So he hands over the flower. How could it possibly go wrong? (laughs) Everything's coming up, Tristan. So (laughs) he, (laughs) he hands over the flower and she's like, oh, by the way, that little flower yeah, that's a protection charm, and it's the exact thing that would have stopped me from doing this. And she turns him into a teeny tiny little mouse, brings him into her carriage and puts him in a cage, gives him like a tiniest little thing of cheese, uh, and she's like, there you go, food and lodging, and closes the door. Food and lodging, babe. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Vane tries to like- I found- Okay, good. I was gonna say, I saw that, so like- the ASMR community is insane. And, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the meme where it's, like, ASMR, it's the bubonic plague. No, I can't say I have. There's, like, yeah. But I've also seen, like, ASMR, like, we're waiting for the bus and I'm a chav. And it's, like, this girl and she's waiting for the bus and she's, like, oh, are you waiting for the bus as well then? <laughs> oh, well, you're a, li- you're a little stinky. I'm going to I'm gonna perfume you up a bit, babe. And she, like, puts perfume on you and, like, just, like, a bunch of, like, weird, like... Oh, my god! I guess a chav. I hope that this isn't offensive, but it's, like, um, like an English girl who's, like, the heavy yeah. eye makeup and, like, yeah. There actually is a screenshot. I have had this saved since September 23rd, 2018. yeah. A screenshot of like an ASMR video and it is 1300s AD ASMR. None takes care of you in bed. You have the plague. And yes. the reason that I screenshotted it is because I think that she kind of looks like you. That's so. <laughs> can you send that over? Yeah, I'm going to send it to you. Oh right my now. gosh. If anyone wants this photo, we'll send it to you. Just yeah. DM us. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like if you squint and hold it at okay. a distance. That's really crazy it does look a lot like me like if my um if i was like in front of a green screen or something Mm -hmm. that's crazy yeah (laughs) that's so crazy yeah bro that that's fucking weird (laughs) (laughs) i'm like time travel israel (laughs) whoa um yeah so if you want to see this picture please dm us we'll send it to you (laughs) that shit's crazy where am i what was I said? What was the? Oh, okay. Yes. He's a mouse. In, <laughs> he's a mouse. Yvain tries to attack Ditchwater Sal, but because yeah. of the charm, she like can't touch her. So she eventually catches on and she's like, Am I right to believe that you can neither see nor hear me? And Sal doesn't do anything. And so she's like, Well, you just so you know, you smell of pee and you look <laughs> like the wrong end of a dog. Uh, and if you don't turn Tristan back into a human, I will be your personal poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Then, oh my gosh, she gets in the carriage. Obviously, Ditchwater knows nothing about this. She doesn't mm-hmm. know that she's with her. And she talks to Tristan. She's like, Tristan, if you can understand me, look at me now. You know, when I said I knew little about love, well, that wasn't true. I know a lot about love. I've seen it. 
I've seen centuries and centuries of it. And it was the only thing that made watching your world bearable. All those wars, pain and lies, hate, made me want to turn away and never look down again. But to see the way that mankind loves, I mean, you could search the furthest reaches of the universe and never find anything more beautiful. So yes, I know that love is unconditional, but I also know it can be unpredictable, unexpected, uncontrollable, unbearable, and, while strangely easy to mistake for loathing, and what I'm trying to say, Tristan, is I think I love you. My heart, it feels like my chest can barely contain it, like it doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to you. And if you wanted it, I'd wish for nothing in exchange, no gifts, no goods, no demonstrations of devotion, nothing but knowing you love me, too. <laughs> you love me, too. Just your heart in exchange for mine. And I'm like, wow. just go back and watch the scene. Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix in the U.S. Like, it's a really lovely moment. Yeah, I think Claire Danes delivers it so beautifully. Um, it doesn't feel like rehearsed. You can really see her like discovering each line in the moment. And it comes from the heart. The heart. Which belongs to Tristan. Does she have an English accent in real life? Is she English? No, I think she's American. Gotcha. I was just curious. So back to Ditchwater Sal, she finally drops them off at the market near Wall turns Tristan back into a human, which, like, begs the question, what was the point of turning him into a mouse? Like, just because she's, like, mean? I don't really know. Yeah, just because, like, oh, how fun. Maybe she's, like, worried he was going to, like, steal her goods in her caravan. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, alas, she turns him back into a human. He tries to, like, fight her, but he's super woozy from his transformation, falls on his ass, so Yvain has to drag him up. She's like, come on, Victoria's birthday's in the morning. Let's go to the inn. You can get all showered and rested before you present me to her tomorrow. So they go to the inn and Tristan is passed out while Yvain takes a bath. But he eventually comes to and like scares her through this room separator. And she's like, close your eyes, like bathing. Mm -hmm. She puts on a towel and he's like, oh, no, I'm like, I'm not looking. Don't worry. And he's like a little flirty flirt, oh, flirt mixin. Yeah. They're in a flirtville, USA. <laughs> and he asks her if she really meant what she said in the caravan. And she is like shocked and horrified. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you were a mouse. You were eating cheese. <laughs> she's super embarrassed. And he comes over and kisses her on the forehead. And he tells her what Captain actually whispered in his little ear. <laughs> was that his true love was right in front of his eyes. And he was right. And then Tristan kisses Yvain, and it's a really beautiful yeah. moment. It's like a great, great payoff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Stockholm Syndrome aside. <laughs> I love I my love captor. <laughs> no, it is really sweet. And I really do love their chemistry. I mean, they have like really great banter and stuff like that. Yeah. But they also have this really earnest like romantic chemistry as well so i really enjoyed it this moment is like very sweet the music like swells it all just like comes together it's a very satisfying payoff so good 
Um, so the ghosts are just like chilling outside the inn and Tertius being the fucking pervert that he is decides to go and watch Tristan and Yvain have sex essentially. And the other ghosts are like, oh man, it's so unfair that Septimus is going to get here tomorrow, find Yvain, get the stone and become king. But they're like, well, at least at that point, we'll all be free. And Lamia is still on the search. The sisters tell her that Yvain is in the market town and Lamia is nervous because she's so close to the wall. Because if she goes over the threshold into the human realm, she will turn into stardust. <gasps> so they tell Lamia she better hurry. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, they, they had to throw in that bit of exposition. She's like, have you forgotten what would happen if she went <laughs> over the wall? She turns dust. <laughs> so the next morning, Yvain is sleeping. She's glowing. And Tristan, you know, looks at her fondly as he Aww. pulls out his knife and cuts off a piece of her hair and wraps it in a cloth. So he goes downstairs asking the concierge for like a pen and paper. And he's like, ask me again at a more reasonable time. And he's like, all right. Ask me again in the morning. <laughs> That's, what, that's how I would play it. That's just I'm me, sleeping, though. ain't I? <laughs> like, directing this movie, I'm like, okay, I, I hate to do this. I will have to give you a line reading. <laughs> Ask me again at a more reasonable time. Can, can you do it like that, please? Okay, rolling. Yeah, I mean, clearly you should have directed this film. <laughs> I think I, I'm really highly qualified to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Just one more time. I, I didn't tell. You can look at me. I hate to do this line reading. I, I just want you to me, go. I just, hate it more than you hate it. More than you hate it. I hate it more. Just a little bit more. I want you to lean in and go. Ask me again <laughs> in the morning. Just up at the end. I wish you could have seen Mo's face as she did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so after, th- after that delightful little line, um, Tr- Tristan's like, okay, can you please give my friend a message if she wakes up before I get back? So he does. And he then heads through the market, makes his way to the gap in the wall, and passes back through to the human realm. In the morning, Yvain wakes up to find Tristan gone. So she goes down to the lobby and asks the, like, innkeeper where he went at this, like, absurdly early hour. And he's like, oh, uh, he's gone to see Victoria because he's sorry, but he has found his true love and he wants to spend the rest of his life with her. I'm like, you got the message wrong. (laughs) Say it differently, bitch. It's all in the inflection and the pausing. He's in love with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just... Mix up. Yeah. But Yvain is like, I'm actually going to kill myself because she thinks that he means Victoria is his true love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as Tristan walks through Wall to Victoria's house, Yvain is despondent. She walks through the market and she's spotted by Tristan's mother who's calling after her. She's like, wait, wait. But she's, of course, still chained to the caravan and Yvain uh, doesn't notice. What a drag. 
So Yvain is like making her way towards Wall. Making her way downtown. Walking fast too. Walking too fast. (laughs) (laughs) So Tristan's mother decides to take uh, the reins, quite literally. And while Ditchwater Sal is sleeping in the caravan, she locks the door, gets on that front seat, and sends the horses charging so that she can stop Yvain. Destroying every small business in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Ditchwater Sal also gets her shit rocked inside that caravan. (laughs) (laughs) The way I imagine an influencer living in that caravan, they'd be like, this is my antique caravan. Mm -hmm. I live here. Yeah. I converted this cabinet into this where I keep clothes. Yeah. My laptop charger is under this pellet stove. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, TikTok, join me as I restore this 1800s carriage into my traveling home. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, she, Tristan's mom, she's really going for it. She's stopping this woman from accidentally killing herself. Meanwhile, Tristan knocks on Victoria's door. And wishes her a happy birthday. She's like, oh my god, Tristan, is that you? You're looking good. She then asks to see her star. So he hands her the cloth. Let me say it. (laughs) So he hands her the cloth. She's like, why is it so small? And he's like, well, that's just a little piece. And she's like, well, forget about the star. That's not what I want. You know what I want. And she leans in and Tristan dips her and he goes, you want to grow up and get over yourself and then drops her on the ground. And of course, that's when Humphrey arrives ready to duel Tristan for Victoria. And he's like, first of all, let me whip out my sword and show you some tricks. He's like, And uh, I keep that motherfucking thing (laughs) on me. me. (laughs) So, yeah, Tristan has dropped Victoria on her ass, told Humphrey that she's all his. And that's when Victoria opens the cloth to find that it's not a star. It's just a measly handful of stardust. And Tristan realizes (gasps) Yvain can't cross the wall or she'll fucking disintegrate so he books it back to the wall so it's a race Yvain is almost at the wall and Tristan's mother rides over everyone is rushing Septimus is on his way Ditchwater Sal is getting her shit rocked in the caravan Lamia's <laughs> carriage is approaching like it's all happening you know mm-hmm. Yvain is about to cross over when she is pulled back by Tristan's mother who tells her what would happen if she went over the wall. And Ditchwater busts out of the caravan, pulls the woman back by the chain as Lamia's carriage approaches. And um, she tells Yvain that if death is her wish, she'd be happy to assist her. So, wait, is, does Lamia say that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because Sal can't see her. Mm-hmm. So, Sal and Lamia exchange words. Lamia ends up decapitating her, which actually releases Tristan's mother. Mm. And Lamia chains Tristan's mother and Yvain together and forces them into her carriage, not looking too good. Yeah. She, like, sees herself in her carriage's window, and she's like, oh, 
should have worn some more sunscreen when I was younger. Am I right? Yeah. This one thing that I didn't really like ever think about until this watch through is like Dunstan, different actor plays him when he's mm-hmm. young, but it's like the same actress that plays Tristan's mother. Yeah. From like 18 years ago until then with like the slightest of graying in her hair. She's and gorgeous. Like, the tiniest bit of age makeup. So I'm like, either this movie is like, oh yeah, women are women aren't allowed to age. Or maybe like in the magical realm, people age slower. I think that that would yeah. Which I'm inclined to think that's what it is. Cause like Dishwater Sal looks the same. Yeah, I think that's probably. Yeah. But also like the whole idea of like the witches they're they're like so obsessed with like youth and beauty is you know a little bit of a tired sexist trope but alas it is what it is i don't have anything thoughtful to add (laughs) but yeah (laughs) yeah so tristan finally gets to the wall to find that the guard who's been working there for fucking 90 years has given up his post like i'm done because he saw this he saw this decapitation happen he's like you know what i've seen enough He basically, like, fills Tristan in on what happened, and Tristan runs over to the caravan, finds his snowdrop flower, and steals Ditchwater Sal. Well, I guess not really steals, because she's dead. He takes Ditchwater Sal's horse to go follow them. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Septimus also arrives at the wall, and he follows the carriage tracks. Lamia finally arrives back at the witch's house, and they decide to keep Tristan's mother as their new slave girl. So this woman is, like... Just getting passed mm. off from witch to witch. But they bring Yvane up the spiral staircase to this, like, operating table where they strap her down. Tristan arrives and peeks inside through the window, and he's met by Septimus. And Septimus has a sword to his neck, and Tristan pulls out a sword to his stomach. And they're like, all right, truce. Let's work together. Mm-hmm. So they agree to help each other out and bust in, ready to charge. Septimus grabs Tristan's mother and is going to stab her when he realizes it's his sister, Una. <gasps> Crazy, which means Septimus is Tristan's uncle. Crazy. Yep. And so Impusa tries to light Septimus on fire. And Una runs to where Tristan is hiding and tells him that she's his mother and they hug. It's a beautiful reunion. But Impusa mm-hmm. is continuing to torture Septimus as the witches laugh. Then he throws a machete at her and impales her. So one witch down, two to go. Mm-hmm. Then he picks up his sword and heads towards the others. But Lamia picks up this voodoo doll and uses it to break his limbs. Then she drops it in the fountain and Septimus rises up in the air as if he's like drowning in water until he finally dies, joining his ghost brethren. They all have to live with each other forever. Wow. Oh, no. So Lamia and Marmo get back to you know, Yvain, and Una tells Tristan to be the man that she knows he is. And he's like, okay, you go wait outside. And somehow she's able to just, like, walk out the door. Yeah, what? Okay, sure. Yeah. It's like a heavy-ass big door. It would make a little noise if you opened it. I agree. But whatever. So Tristan finally steps out from behind the bird cages, 
and Lamia sends Mormo to take care of him. And she also notices that Yvain immediately starts glowing upon seeing mm-hmm. Tristan. As Mormo approaches Tristan, he uses his sword to cut the locks, I guess, off the cages, which frees a bunch of ferrets and wolves that they've been keeping in these cages. And they do the job for him. They immediately swarm Mormo and kill her uh, pretty brutally and then, you know, run out of the mansion. Then Lamia goes down the spiral staircase to meet Tristan. And she's like, do you want to be a frog or a tadpole? And she tries to cast a spell on him. But that handy dandy snowdrop protects him. So Lamia then uses her powers to lift a giant vase to hit him. It doesn't really hurt him, though. He, like, recovers pretty quickly. So he then grabs his lightning canister from Captain Shakespeare and, like, lets some of the lightning out to electrocute Lamia. Pretty clever. Mm Mm-hmm. She ends up landing right by the fountain where she reaches in and pulls out that voodoo doll and uses it to control Septimus's dead body and his sword. Creepy. Yeah. So Tristan has to spar with this dead body. And, like, it doesn't even matter if he stabs him and kills him because he's already mm-hmm. dead. So, like, <laughs> it's a losing game. Lamia continues to, like, control the voodoo doll as she heads back up the stairs to Yvain. And Tristan notices these gigantic chandeliers hanging above them connected to these ropes. So he cuts every single one until he finally gets to the one that's right above Septimus. He cuts it. It lands on Septimus and he uses like the rope going up. He like grabs onto it and flies up to that second floor, crash landing into Lamia. So then they spar. She has her giant knives. He has his sword. And eventually Lamia has him by the throat. So she lifts up her giant knife and then looks down at her dead sisters. And she swings. But what does she cut? Yvain's restraints. Wow. And she drops her weapons. And she she starts like crying. And she's like, youth, beauty, it all seems meaningless now. My sisters are dead. Everything I cared about, gone. And she goes, go. Go! <laughs> and sends them out. So Tristan and Yvain run down the stairs, head for the door. Just as they're about to leave, she shuts them in and starts laughing. She slams all the shutters. <gasps> she makes all the mirrors explode. And Tristan's like covering Yvain. They're running, trying to ab- avoid the broken glass. And Lamia picks up her knife and starts walking towards them. Tristan has like long since lost his sword. So Mm -hmm. she thanks Tristan and says Yvain's heart was no use to her when it was broken. Plus he got rid of her sisters so she can have it all for herself. (gasps) I know. Yvain tells Tristan to hold tight and close his eyes. And she's like, what do stars do? shine and she shines so brightly she like lights up the entire mansion and just (gasps) burns Lamia and Lamia turns to ashes Mm. and all of the ghosts applaud 
And Tristan is like, why didn't you do that earlier? And Yvain is like, no star can shine with a broken heart. And she thought she'd lost him, but he came back. And Tristan's like, of course, I love you. And before they leave, Tristan picks up the stone from Yvain's necklace and the ruby turns red again <gasps> because he is the last surviving male heir of the Stormhold bloodline. Then the ghosts disappear, finally laid to rest. One thing I do kind of wish, like I wish that it ended with like Una being queen. That's what I thought was going to happen. And then like for Tristan to take over. Yeah. But sadly it didn't. I think actually in the book she does become queen for like quite a few years while like Tristan and Yvain go off like traveling and do their thing and then they take over the kingdom. Gotcha. Which I think would have been a cooler ending personally. Yeah. So we get our final scene. We see Tristan's coronation. He is crowned the new king of Stormhold with Yvain by his side Aww. as queen. Who's in the crowd? Shakespeare and his crew. We also see Victoria and Humphrey in attendance. And we have this very quick little oh my gosh. shot of um, Shakespeare looking over at Humphrey. And they, they share a little smile. Yeah, I think, like, so. Captain Shakespeare winks at him. Yeah. And Humphrey, like, winks back. And Victoria notices. And she's like, uh, like what? <laughs> yeah. So we then watch Una gift Tristan and Yvain with a Babylon candle. And we see also that she is reunited with Dunstan. They're together again. I was happy. I wanted to see more of that reunion. I know. We didn't even really get like a close-up shot of them. They're just like in the background. There, yeah. Like give us a little something. But we get our last words from Sir Ian McKellen. And he says, They ruled for 80 years, but no man can live forever except he who possesses the heart of a star. And Yvain had given hers to Tristan completely. When their children and grandchildren were grown, it was time to light the Babylon candle. And they still live happily ever after. And we pan up to the sky where we can see Tristan and Yvain's stars right next to each other. Ah, so beautiful. And that stardust. That stardust, folks. Yeah. So what do you think as your first time viewing? You know, at first I was like, what's this going to be about? Like, is this going to be like a long, you know, uh, retelling of a fairy tale or something? Mm -hmm. But I actually liked the twist and turns. Mm -hmm. I loved the comedy. I thought yeah. like the comedy was really strong. Um, it was definitely like a different take on a fairy tale, which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. It just felt like a really good time. Like, I wish I got to see it in a movie theater because yeah. I think it would be such a fun movie to go to. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've said this before, but, like, when I saw Knives Out, I was like, oh, this is, like, such a fun time at the movies. I was yeah. like, this is so enjoyable. And I feel like this would be a really fun time at the movies. So yeah, I really liked it. I would like to watch it again and just, like, you know, see it without – analyzing it or whatever mm -hmm. yeah and it has like such a stacked cast too i'm yeah. like michelle pfeiffer robert de niro claire danes so yeah i i was like in the stardust especially after seeing now you see it so <laughs> yeah it's nice to have uh something of a little higher quality um after that movie but 
Yeah, I really like this movie. It's so campy and fun. And I really do like how the story plays out. Like, yes, it would be fun if we had more lore. But also I feel like the pacing is really good where it does keep you engaged. Yeah. And like the story really moves along with every scene. Absolutely. I didn't feel like it dragged its feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like very clear that like everybody has a super clear quest that they're on that all leads to like the same point. I feel like it wraps mm-hmm. up pretty satisfyingly, although not as satisfying as it could have been if you if like Una, who had been fucking – kidnapped and made into a slave for god knows how many years i know i'm like had her day on the throne that fucking sucks Mm -hmm. but yeah i overall had a really enjoyable time watching it Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that also like this director because it's the same director who did um kingsman and kick-ass no x-men first class yeah yeah so like a lot of his movies are all like about boys Mm -hmm. becoming men like that journey into manhood and kind of like fantastical or like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. so i think it was cool to like see tristan's journey because i think it's a slightly different take on masculinity than like what we might see traditionally where it's like he becomes like a manly man but it's like no tristan just like you know becomes like a slightly better person Mm -hmm. but also keeps his like kindness and sensitivity that he has at the beginning so and also we see like a character like captain shakespeare who's like a more like effeminate man who also like has his own version of masculinity so i thought the characters were all very rich Mm -hmm. and like i we were talking about you know seeing lamia's origin story Mm -hmm. but i would also be interested in more of captain shakespeare and Yeah, I loved I loved Captain yeah. Shakespeare because I was just like, what? Yeah. Like when <laughs> he threw um, or he pretended to mm-hmm. throw Tristan overboard, yeah. I was like, he just threw – what happens next? Like mm-hmm. how does he live? Like, And then they go down and have tea and I'm like, you fucking <laughs> jokester. You fucking didn't throw him over. Yeah. No, I think that this movie is actually really uh, ripe for like origin story – movies like i think this could be such a cool like extended universe like franchise where like Mm -hmm. we see like the witch's backstory and we see captain shakespeare and then even like the stormhold uh like siblings yeah and like them growing up and how the other ones died and stuff like that or were murdered i suppose so yeah there's a lot there and i feel like they did a lot with only two hours I would love to see more, like, lore stuff. So maybe I'll read the book and, like, see what's up there. Yeah, see what's going on in those pages. Yeah, yeah. I definitely recommend giving Stardust a rewatch if you haven't seen it in a minute. Uh, It's on Netflix here in Canada. And it's on Netflix in the U.S., actually. Oh, my gosh. There you go. So Very accessible. Yeah. Steal someone's password. Get that login. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy yourself. So shall we rate her? Rate this old film. Rate this. Right. Wait. Hold on. <clears throat> rate this old film. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say it's hard. I want to say a seven point five out of ten. I'm gonna give it an eight because it's just my favorite. It's my fantasy film of choice. I see. Controversial opinion, maybe, but especially if you're not wanting to like really lock into like a multi-movie yeah franchise like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. or something like that this is a nice like 2 hour fantasy campy moment so i will give it I an like eight. That. yeah 
Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Yes. And if you'd like more content, you know, as you wait for the next pod episode to drop, you can always Mm -hmm. go to our Instagram. It's movies that raised us. You can go follow those tweets, tweet Mm -hmm. it up at MTRU underscore pod. Yes. You can also follow us on TikTok at movies that raised us pod. And if you want, you can send us a good old-fashioned email at moviesthatraisedus at gmail.com. And if you have any requests, feel free to fill out our movie request form uh, so we can keep them all in one place. We can track what you guys are interested in. We did use it. Mm -hmm. We consulted it when we planned our April schedule. Yes. So we have some requests coming up. Some very heavy hitters. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye! Bye.